morning again. Really glad that you're here, braving the cold weather. Awesome stuff. Um, we started our new series, Naming the Baby, last week, and we're going to continue that today and all throughout December until, just want to echo this, the very last Sunday of December, the 31st, New Year's Eve, that morning, we will not be meeting here for either service. We will be going to another church. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. We're excited um, about uh, worshiping with brothers and sisters in Christ uh, and not just talking about unity, but actually showing it. Um, And so we're excited. So I I invite you to make plans for that. Uh, I know it's right in the middle of Christmas and, and New Year's and all that good stuff. Um, but it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Their service starts at 11. And again, we'll be giving you more and more details as we get a little bit uh, closer addresses and what time to be there and all that kind of stuff. So really excited about that. Again, next Sunday, the children are going to be taking over hijacking worship. Okay. And they're going to be doing uh, Christmas worship with us. They're going to be leading us in Christmas worship. It's going to be two services. You know, in, in years past, there's been like a children's musical. We aren't doing that this year. Instead, they're just going to be leading us in worship for the first part of the service. And then I'll be sharing um, like, like normal on most Sunday mornings. So um, that's next week. I encourage you. It's going to be awesome. When children start singing and acting things out and dressing up, it's always like super cute. So I encourage you to be here for that. Uh, it'll be going on for both services. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. Are y'all excited? Yeah. You pumped up? Yeah. yeah. Woo woo. You ready for Christmas? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. This, so it seems like Christmas um, has been going on a while. And I think it's because Thanksgiving was early this year. So I'm like, isn't it here already? But we still got a few weeks. So um, I encourage you. If, if you have any questions as well, we are meeting Sunday morning, the 24th. It's New Year's Eve that morning. Uh, we're going to worship our faces off. And just get in God's presence and just honor him for coming and saving us. It's going to be awesome. So um, so we're talking about naming the baby. Naming the baby is our current series that we're doing. And, and um, you know, again, in, in our culture, we name children. People have names uh, as, uh, as ways to uh, just to kind of identify them. Maybe it's a name that... that you know, that they just, their parents like. I once spoke with a, a, a lady I used to work with. Her name was Gibson. Uh, and that's because her dad really liked guitars. And so she named, he named his daughter Gibson. And I thought, hell, okay, works. That works for me, whatever. Um, but in Jewish culture, the name of a baby meant way more than just how to identify them. Um, it actually described what the person would be like. And it announced their purpose in the world. And so you actually have some rather odd names, um, you know, like uh, Esau. Uh, they called him Edom as well, which means red. Do you know why? Because he had red hair. It's like, whoa, they really went deep for that one. So, um, but, but that's it. So we talked last, last week, Jesus, uh, in Hebrew, Jesus' name uh, was Yeshua or Yeshua, uh, which uh, if we were to translate that into English would be Joshua. Um, and in Greek, it's Jesus, is Jesus in Greek. And then, of course, we have Jesus in English. They all mean the exact same thing, therefore, they're the same name. They all mean Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. So, Jesus' name was not just how they identified him, it also declared the purpose of the Son of God on earth. 
Now, you, you also know we don't just refer to Jesus as Jesus. We often refer to him as Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, right? Now, you probably know this, but Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's what? It's not like he was in school. They're like, all right, Carpenter, Billy, here, Christ, Jesus, present. I mean, that, that wasn't his last name. As a matter of fact, last names back then usually were the city or the town that they were from. You've heard Jesus of Nazareth, right? Or Jesus the Nazarene. Or um, you could, uh, it would be Bar, which means son of, and then the father's name. Like you hear uh, Peter, Simon Bar-Jonah is, was one of his names. So which Simon? Well, the one who's Jonah's son. Oh, that's Simon. Okay. So that's kind of how they did names back then. So Christ... Christ is uh, the English translation of the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one or the chosen one. And this is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Mashiach, which is Messiah. So that's why we talk about Jesus the Messiah, also Jesus the Christ. Again, these are interchangeable concepts. They mean the same thing. Um, Christ is not his name as much as it is his title. It's what he was called to do. This is also why, and I've spoken about this before at length, this is also why uh, it's perfectly okay to abbreviate Christmas with an X. Now, I know this kind of throws some people off, and I hadn't heard as much about this recently as, as a few uh, years back. People were getting all upset about Starbucks cups and, you know, the war on Christmas and stuff. And, and, and I'm sure there are people who are against Christmas and want to take Jesus out of it. Um, but if you spell Christmas X-M-A-S, it's not pronounced Xmas, it's pronounced Christmas because the Greek word for Christ, Christos, starts with the letter X. And, and for centuries, people have been uh, abbreviating the name of Jesus, the name of Christ, with an X. Now, now some people will say, well, but you know, the atheists are trying to take Christ out of Christmas, so they're going to say Xmas. Well, the joke's on them. Because you can't take Jesus out of Christmas because if you put an X there instead of Christ, it's still Christ. And so I encourage you, it seems to have died down, at least in my circles. I don't hear as much from this. But, you know, people, y'all Christians, we just, look, you don't bring the kingdom of God to earth by making a big deal of the dark. You bring the kingdom of God to earth by making a big deal of the light. And so if you're walking around all offended, someone said happy holidays and said a Merry Christmas, like you're doing it wrong. Are there people who want to subvert, you know, Jesus in the holidays? Of course there are. But here's the deal. Go be different. They're sinners, so they're sinning. Go be different. Go bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Go serve someone. Go love someone that you don't like. This is, how, this is how we display Christ in Christmas. Not by, you know, capitalizing Christ in Christmas, okay? If you have any questions about that, actually, we made a few extra CDs in, in, the, um, in the foyer uh, where we have our CDs and stuff, our, our t- teaching. There's, there are five copies of a message I did a couple years ago called Merry Christmas, but Christmas is spelled with an X, okay? And I go into all the detail of that. We talk about that you don't pronounce it Xmas. If you're talking about Mr. Nunley, you don't say M.R. Nunley. 
MR is pronounced Mr. It's an abbreviation in the same way XMAS is pronounced Christmas. And so we go over all the history of that. So there's some extra copies of that there. You can also find it two years ago, first, first weekend in December. It's on our podcast as well. So there's that. So that's Christ. That's where Christ came from. So we've talked about where Jesus came from, where Christ came from. And then we're kind of looking at this main, um, we're looking at, at this main scripture in Isaiah. Guys, will y'all give me control of the clicker, please? Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'm saying this in faith. Or just move forward one slide until you figure it out. Either way. There we go. There we go. Sweet. Thanks, guys. So Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is an Old Testament prophecy of the coming Messiah. And in this Old Testament prophecy, they name several names of this Messiah. Now, again, they don't mention Jesus here, even though Jesus was his actual name that he was referred to. But what they're doing is they're declaring names over the Messiah, which therefore declare purpose over the Messiah. So let's just look at this. It's, it's on the screen behind me. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. See, he was fully human and he was fully God. He was a child born of a human. He was also a son given from God. And the government will be upon his shoulder. We'll talk about that, that phrase some more next week. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Again, we talked about that last week. Jesus is, uh, is, is the miraculous advisor. He's the counseling wonder. Okay, and I encourage you that message is available if you, if you want to hear that. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we're going to talk about Mighty God this morning. We're going to talk about Mighty God. Now, isn't that interesting? You know, you look at a small baby being born, and to refer to that baby as a Mighty God doesn't quite seem right, does it? I mean, have you ever thought of a baby as being mighty before? Mighty. No, I mean, babies are helpless. They're vulnerable. If you don't take care of them, it's not going to work out well for them. But yet we see that this child that was born was, was called and therefore purpose was, his purpose was that of mighty God. Now the word mighty means exactly what you think it's going to mean. It means powerful. It means strong. It also means champion. They would, they would use this Hebrew word to describe like the champion fighter, like the best of the best. He would be described as mighty. If you, if you read about David and his mighty men that would accompany him, they were warriors that would, that would go around with him. And so this is that word mighty. In announcing this name for the Messiah, it's saying that a powerful God resides inside this vulnerable baby. One of the roles of Jesus, one of the roles of the Messiah, was to demonstrate what it looks like when God's power, when his might is allowed to operate unrestrained, unhindered, and unrestricted in a human being. Jesus was called to be a mighty God, yet still human. And and you know this to be true. Like, you, you know, as you read about Jesus, you know that the mighty God was on display through him, right? All the, all the things that he did, the miracles, the healings, the, the, the stuff like that. And, you know, I, whenever you watch a documentary, like a secular documentary about Jesus, or I read the book Killing Jesus by Bill O'Reilly, it's so interesting that it's a lot of nice historical information, but they always leave out the miraculous nature of Jesus, you, know, it's, it's, you will be really, really hard-pressed to find a historian, a philosopher, or anyone that's done any amount of study 
you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who doesn't believe that Jesus actually existed. I mean, I, I know it's like some random like atheist trolls on the internet might say that, but they don't know what they're talking about. Archaeologically, historically, all this kind of stuff, we know that there's a man named Jesus. I mean, there's, just, there's, no, there's no doubt whatsoever. But what people often do, though, is they'll say, oh, yeah, there definitely was a Jesus, and there definitely he started you know, the sect of Judaism that later morphed into Christianity. But, but, you know, all the miracles and stuff, yeah, you know. You ever heard anyone say Jesus was a great teacher? He had good ideas, but all this miracle stuff, that, that was just, that, that's not true. Have you ever heard anyone say that? There's a real big logical problem with that. The texts, the manuscripts, the information we have that tells you what Jesus taught that these people say is good stuff is the same text, the same manuscript, the same writers that tells you that Jesus did miraculous things. So you can't pick one part and not pick another part. It's the same source. You can't just say Jesus was a great teacher, Jesus was a holy man, Jesus was a prophet, but also exclude the miraculous nature of his ministry. And of course, we, we know this, this uh, in Acts, uh, chapter 20, uh, ch- Acts chapter 2, verse 22, it says, People of Israel, listen, this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. God publicly endorsed Jesus, the Nazarene, by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. One of the hallmarks of Jesus' ministry was power, was being a mighty God, was doing God's stuff. This man, 100% human, born of a woman, was doing God things. And that's how we know that he was a mighty God. Now, let's just talk for a second. People, people get a little weird about this kind of stuff when you start talking about supernatural things and miracles and wonders and signs. Let me just define these for you real quick. A miracle is a supernatural act of God that helps people. That's what a miracle is. Supernatural act of God that helps people. It can be healing. It can be a miracle of protection when something bad was about to happen. I truly believe when, when our son Ethan went through the drain, that was a miracle of protection. He came out like totally fine. There are miracles of provision. We see when Jesus fed the 5,000, right? So there was, there was a miracle of provision. All these things are God's supernatural activity doing good things towards people. So that's, that's a miracle. Now it also talks about wonders. A wonder literally makes you wonder. As in, I wonder what in the world just happened there. Okay, so Jesus did wonders as well. It brings about, a wonder is meant to bring about awe and respect and realization of God's authority. Like, wow, like this is, this is like a big deal. I'll give you an example. Um, many of you may not know this story, but Peter and Jesus are talking about paying taxes. And Peter's trying to get out of paying taxes. Amen, hallelujah. Smart guy. He's like, hey, so since we're children of the kingdom, do we have to pay taxes? And Jesus goes, I mean, technically no, but we don't want to offend anyone, so sure. But you know what? Let God take care of that for you. Matter of fact, go ahead and cast your line, and God's going to take care of us. And Peter, <laughs> Peter catches a fish that had swallowed money, and they use that money to pay their taxes. So this afternoon, if anyone has a lake, I'm going to go fishing, and hopefully all the money for taxes will be in there. 
What's the point of that? It's a wonder. It's, it's for you to step back and go, whoa. Now, see, wonders aren't easily accepted today in our churches, are they? We want to be able to perfectly define everything, point to a specific scripture. We want to be able to say, hey, you know, this is, this is what this is, and it's okay because of this. And, you know, and I get it. You know, we want to be biblical. We never want to be anti-biblical, that's for sure. But at the same time, you guys, if you worship a God that you can fully explain, he's not a very good God. I mean, there's some aspects of God that make, should make you wonder. There's some things that he does, and you're like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. And so it's a wonder. It's one of the things that Jesus, one of his job descriptions while he was here on earth. The third one here is a sign. Miracles, wonders, and signs. Signs point to something else. Signs are something that you see happen, but it's pointing to something else. If you see, if you're driving uh, uh, down 19, you're coming from, uh, from Albany, and you're driving 19 south towards Thomasville, and you see a sign, Thomasville, Georgia, next exit. Well, is that sign Thomasville, Georgia? No. What's it doing? It's pointing you to where Thomasville, Georgia is. In the same way, the signs, the miraculous signs that Jesus and his followers did and still do point to the kingdom of God. The point is not the sign in and of itself. The point is that the sign is pointing to what really matters, and that's the kingdom of God. It's a demonstration of how the kingdom of God operates. Now, whenever you start talking about signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural, many of us, those of us that were trained up in, in you know, maybe some denominational churches or more traditional churches, you immediately go, by, go to the, yeah, but, but there's some counterfeit, right? I mean, many of you, even while we were talking about this, immediately think, yeah, but isn't there some, some, aren't there some bad miracles and signs and wonders? Of course, yes, there are supernatural counterfeits. Well, if I were the enemy, I would want to counterfeit those things that drew me closer to God and pointed to the kingdom of God. But here's the thing, and and, um, Matthew 24, 24 just says it point blank. Let me read this to you. Jesus is talking. He says, false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. So is there counterfeit supernatural? Yes. Should you be afraid of that? No. Does the counterfeit mean that we should shy away from signs and wonders and miracles? Absolutely not. If I offered you a $100 bill, would you say, you know, some people counterfeit $100 bills. So I don't feel comfortable taking this. Would you do that? No. You, I mean, you would want to make sure it is a real $100 bill. But after then, go for it, right? Have you ever noticed that no one ever counterfeits an $112 bill? Why not? It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as an $11,200 bill, right? But they do counterfeit hundreds. You only counterfeit what's real. The fact that there's a counterfeit verifies the fact that there's a real. So if there are false signs, wonders, and miracles, therefore you can know that you can know that there are real signs and wonders and miracles. Now that just makes sense, doesn't it? And so, look, I get it. It's weird. Sometimes, well, this could be wrong. Sure, but you know what? You don't, you don't reject the good because it might not be good. You learn how to tell the difference. What's the difference? Matthew 7, 15, 
Matthew 7, uh, 15 and 16. Let's just turn there real quick. We've got time. Matthew 7, 15 and 16. Jesus is talking. He says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by... Oh, here we go. Here we go. This is it. He's about to tell us. This is the secret. He says, yes, there are false prophets. Yes, there are people that that do wrong things. Here's how you're going to be able to tell... Okay, who's false and who's not? You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way, they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. In other words, he's like, look, are are there going to be false signs and wonders and miracles? Absolutely, there there are. There's probably going to be even more real signs and wonders and miracles, just like there are more real $100 bills than fake ones. But if if you're worried about that, You just check the fruit of the person that's doing it. How do they act? Is it it about them? Is it pride? Are they making it all about them? Or are they genuinely trying to feed the people of God and trying to help people? Isn't that simple? Do you see how you don't have to be afraid of this? You don't. You don't have to be afraid of this. So the mighty God was on display through Jesus. Now, here's a good question. At least I thought it was a good question. Why is supernatural power an important part of Jesus' ministry? Why did he have to also be a mighty God? I mean, you know, he could have died on the cross. He could have been born. He could have taught some really good things. And then he could have died on the cross and risen from the grave. And then we could have been saved. And he could have not done a single miracle sign or wonder while he was on the earth. I mean, that, that, that could have happened, Right? So why did he? Why is healing people, healing blind people, making lame people walk, um, telling people to stretch out their hand when they couldn't? Why is that a part of Jesus's ministry? Well, let me let me show you a few reasons. Just two reasons. The first one is it shows that Jesus is God. It, it shows that he is God. Look at John chapter ten, thirty-seven and thirty-eight. This is crazy. This is Jesus talking, okay? If you've got, you know, like a King James, New King James Bible, or even the, if you're reading on your, on, your, uh, on your phone, this is Jesus. It's going to be in red. It says, don't believe me. Jesus said, don't believe me. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done, even if you don't believe me. Then you will know and understand that the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. Wow. Jesus actually said, hey, I know you're not sure if I'm the real deal or not. You're not sure if I'm the actual Messiah come to save everyone. I get that. Check the works. Check the supernatural power. Check check the miracles. Is this something that God would do? Because remember, Isaiah 9 had told them, a long time before, that unto us a child would be born and his name, his purpose, his traits would be that of a mighty, powerful, champion God. So he said, hey, all right, if you don't think I'm the Messiah, go back to the original job description of the Messiah who is supposed to do miraculous stuff. He's supposed to be a mighty God. Am I being a mighty God? Check that. Otherwise, don't believe me. That's pretty crazy. Jesus allowed his messiahship whether or not he was the son of god to hang on his signs wonders and miracles it it was a way of 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 proving 
who he really was. Look at Mark chapter 2. This is a fun story. I like this one. Mark chapter 2. By the way, if you don't have time to read the gospel, you're like, I don't have that kind of time. Read Mark. It's like the cliff notes. It's like the executive summary. You, you start reading Mark. Some, some, like Luke is all detailed and stuff, and then John's all like, Jesus is like, whoa, man. But Mark... Mark is like, boom, 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 this is what happened, boom, this is what happened, boom, the end. Now go get to work. That's what Mark's like. It's awesome. So Mark chapter 2, this is a cool story. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. A lot of people. Makes my germaphobe kind of creep up there. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arriving, arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. But they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. I mean, they literally could not get in the house. So what did they do? They dug a hole through the roof above his head. And then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Okay, a couple of things. First of all, that's hilarious. Could you imagine if we're like just jam-packed here, then all of a sudden we see someone kicking through the ceiling? It's like, wow, they really want to get in. Here's the other thing about this. I think we all, that guy had good friends. That guy had some really good friends that were willing to not just carry him on a mat, but were willing to climb up on a roof with him. How did that work? I feel like I would have dropped him. Get on a roof, climb up there, pull, pull through the roof, and then lower him down. That's some really good friends. Make sure you've got some good godly friends that will do that kind of stuff for you. Or that you're the kind of godly friend that will do that for someone else. Verse 5, seeing their faith, <laughs> yeah. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, now check out, what would you think he would say to the paralyzed man? Hey, you're healed. That's not what he says. My child, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Verse 6, but some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They're right. The problem was, what they hadn't recognized, he was the mighty God. He was God. Verse 8, Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man, that's what he called himself, that I I'll prove to you that I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. So then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Hey, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. The man jumped up, grabbed his mat, walked out through, through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Okay, okay, so, so what just happened? So man gets lowered down through the roof. Jesus says, Hey, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 you can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Hmm. How can I prove to you that I can forgive sins? How about I heal him right in front of your eyes? Boom. Once again, the miraculous, the supernatural power of a mighty God validated that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. You see how that works? So Jesus allowed signs, wonders, and miracles, these things. He allowed them to prove who he was. Here's the second reason that supernatural power was an important part of Jesus' ministry. Is that it, um, my clicker's not going again, guys. 
I'll just read it to you. Y'all, y'all keep up if you will. It reveals God's heart towards people. It reveals God's heart towards people. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. I love this passage of scripture. Matthew chapter 9 verse 36. It says, when he saw the crowds, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is this is just right before it says that he went through the towns announcing the good news of the kingdom and he healed every kind of disease and illness. He healed every kind of disease and illness. So again, part of the, um, part of the reason that Jesus was doing the supernatural um, was to reveal God's heart of compassion towards people. I mean, you are sending... One-third of the Godhead, one of the persons of the Trinity, right? You are sending them to earth to display what you're like. And so we said, look, Jesus, I need you. When you're interacting with people, I need you to be filled with compassion. Because I want them to understand. They may not get it. They may think that I'm angry. They may think that I just want to wipe them all out. That's been done before. Still didn't work. I want you to show them that I love them. I want you to demonstrate your compassion. What greater way to demonstrate compassion to someone than to heal them, than to miraculously help them? Amen? Amen. So the supernatural is an important part of Jesus' ministry because, one, it shows that Jesus is God, and, two, it reveals God's heart towards his people. Now, here's the next thing I want you to understand. It's this. Followers of Jesus embrace him as the mighty God by allowing him to move in supernatural power through them. I want you to get that. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, then that means you must believe as well that he is the mighty God, the powerful God, And the way that you can demonstrate to those around you that you believe that Jesus is the mighty God is by allowing him to be the mighty God in you. Through you. Now for some of you, you're going to think, well, this is awesome. Great. I know this. Others of you, you're going to be like, wait, wait, what? I encourage you, go with me and and make sure, look up the scripture references. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. I encourage you. Always check up. Don't believe it just because I say it. You need to do your own Bible study. This should be icing on the cake. Here's the thing. Scripture tells us that signs follow believers. These same miraculous signs, wonders, and miracles, that they follow believers. Now, again, a sign follows you. You don't follow signs. We've gotten this wrong sometimes in church where we get, we get overly focused on signs and wonders and miracles, where we think that's the whole point, but that's not the whole point. The whole point is the kingdom of God. Remember, a sign points to something else, and as we discovered, signs point to the kingdom of God. That's exactly what Jesus did. Mark chapter 16, 17 and 18, it says, These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Notice, it says those who believe. It doesn't say those that have been to seminary. It doesn't say those that are preachers at the church. It doesn't say those uh, that have you know, gone through a specific process 
of confirmation or been baptized a certain way or whatever. Those who believe in Jesus, right? These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. Okay, hold on a second. This is, this is not a snake handling church, okay? If you brought your snakes, please return them to the car. That's not what we're about here, okay? This, this word, this, it, it says they will, hand, they will handle snakes with safety. Um, it, it, the, the word, uh, the King James says they will take up snakes or take up serpents. The word in Greek, the phrase can actually be just as easily translated push away. It's about protection. It's not about saying, hey, I've got faith. Hey, snakey. Okay, just so you know, this, that, I mean, I know you've heard of snake handling or, or whatever, and that's, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, anyway. All the jokes are coming to my mind right now, and I'm just not going to go there. But, but these, it, it's about supernatural protection, right? They'll be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, also, just back to snakes, um, snakes often are uh, symbolic of the demonic as well. Um, so, anyway, okay. Um, if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. Um, again, you don't say, hey, cyanide, uh, 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 I'm worshiping Jesus. You don't, that's not, it's if you happen to come in contact with something poisonous that there's supernatural protection, okay? They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Now, we didn't do it this morning, but oftentimes, you guys know, uh, sometimes the Lord will feel, the leadership will begin to feel like the Lord wants to heal people. And so what do we do? We have you go to each other and pray for each other. That's on purpose. That's not just because I'm lazy. And I don't want to call you up front and pray for you. It's my desire to train you to do the work of the ministry. You are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Jesus. And these signs will follow those who believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay. Well, then you have the ability to pray for someone they be healed. But, 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 hey, look, that's what the scripture says. Now, do we always see it in the way that we want to? No. But when we do see it, we rejoice. I don't know what our current, at the, at the beginning of this next year, we'll tell you the current amount of salvations and healings and rededications and baptisms that we had this past year. We always track those numbers. I can tell you already, the, the number of healings that have taken place in a service here at VFC is, is over 100 for 2017. Isn't that awesome? That's really cool. Would I like for it to be 200? Sure. But I'm grateful for the 100. I'm grateful for what God's doing. Okay? So, so they will be able to place hands on the sick and they will be healed. These are some of the signs, the miraculous signs, that will follow those who believe. Now, let me just say this real quick. There, there, it's been said before, because this is difficult. I'm, I'm not going to... Act like it's not. This is hard. It's a lot easier. It'd be easier for me as the pastor of the church to just say, eh, we're not going to pray for the sick. It just gets messy and weird. And what if they don't get healed? And people out there are going to think that we're a weird church. And all. It'd be a lot easier. But the problem is this is what Scripture says, and I'm not willing, I'm not willing to not do what Scripture says because it's uncomfortable. So we're going to practice this. This is a part of who we are. So there's some people that say, well, the, you know, the miraculous signs and wonders and miracles, that was really for Jesus and his apostles, you know, the original 12, and, and that's not really for people today. There's a really big theological problem with that is that there's two people specifically listed in Scripture that do signs and wonders and miracles that aren't apostles. One is Stephen. You can write this down if you want to look it up. Stephen, Acts chapter 6, verse 8. 
It says that uh, Stephen is a man filled with the Holy Spirit with power, and he does uh, signs and wonders and miracles. He was not an apostle. He actually worked in their food pantry. Um, Another person is Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter 8, verse 6. There's a Philip that was one of the 12 disciples. This is not him. There's a guy named Philip the Evangelist in Acts chapter 8, verse 6, and he does some miraculous uh, stuff as well. He's not an apostle. He's not one of the original 12. So the problem with that the problem with that rule is that only apostles can do signs and wonders and miracles is that there's biblical evidence to the contrary. And again, we look to scripture. Even last week we uh we have a, a big leadership meeting coming up in January for the people that are uh, in leadership here at the church and uh we went and scoped out where we're meeting and uh Cynthia and I and Will went to this place and, you know, just check it out and everything. And while we were there, someone that worked there, uh, uh, Cynthia noticed that she was limping. And so, uh, so she, you know, she's just kind of bold. If you, if you ever go out with Cynthia in public, just be, I'm just warning you. Like, she's going she's gonna to bring the kingdom to earth. It's awesome. So she goes, I, I, you know, I noticed that, you know, your, your foot hurts. You know, is there, is there something going on? And the lady's like, yeah, I got a bone spur, you know, and blah, blah, blah all this stuff. And. We're like, well, can we pray for you? And she's like, sure, sure. It's really rare if you ask someone a thing, if you can pray for them, they say no, by the way. I know it's that, can I pray for you? Like, I know it's like awkward, but once you say it, and they're like, it's, it's very rare that someone goes, nah. <laughs> okay, all right, just walk away. <laughs> but, but usually they're going to say yes, and many times they think you mean like later, like I'll pray, I'll pray for you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pray then. So that's what we do. We just pray for the lady right then. She calls the next day. She's like, my foot feels so much better now. It's crazy. Isn't that awesome? Signs and wonders and miracles. They follow believers. What's the, now, is Cynthia more holy than you? Possibly. But that's not why she was able. I'm pretty sure she's more holy than me. But that's not why she was able to pray. We were able to pray and see that happen. It's because she actually did it. She was just willing to do it. You know, and I didn't get her permission to share that story because she would have said no. So that's the first thing I want you to know. You know. Followers of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the mighty God, then you're going to let him be the mighty God through, through you, and you're going to recognize, hey, signs follow believers. Here's the other thing, and this, again, this, this should blow your mind, is that you can do greater things. Jesus says something crazy. I wouldn't have said this if I were Jesus. It's probably best that I wasn't Jesus. But Jesus said something pretty crazy. John 14, 12, he says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me, there we go, believes. It's not, you know, it's just believers in Jesus. Will do the same works I have done. What? Do you know all the stuff Jesus did? Healing blind people, people who couldn't walk, they could now walk. They will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father because he's praying for you. Even greater works than Jesus? Now, for some of you, I get it. You hear, you hear the instruction that you should be, you can do even greater miracles than Jesus did, and you think, well, but he's Jesus. Think of it this way. All of my kids are musical. Tiffany and I are musical. It would thrill me 110% if all my children exceeded me in my musical ability. Why? Because I love them. And I don't want to see them succeed. Wasn't that the same with your heavenly father? I mean, Jesus is not up there like, well, that guy did a miracle better than me, dad. He's not. 
That's not how it, he's like, yay, that's awesome. We also have biblical evidence of this. Again, if you just want to look this up, Peter's shadow healed people. That's in Acts chapter 5, verse 15. We don't have record of Jesus' shadow healing. That's like next level stuff. Paul took a cloth and prayed over it, sent it to someone, and people were healed because of it. That's Acts 19, verse 12. So we see two people who were not Jesus doing even greater works than Jesus. Besides this, the, the word greater doesn't just mean greater like qualitatively, like more impressive. It means greater quantitatively, like more miracles. Why? Because y'all are a bunch of little Jesuses. Now, I'm not saying you're God. Don't, don't, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we're the body of Christ, right? He's the head. We're the body. So, yeah, we get to do what he does. Because we're just fulfilling what the head says to do. So we can do greater things because we've got the mighty God living inside of us. And this is my question for you. Do you also call Jesus mighty God? It's one of his names. It's one of his job descriptions. I know you call him Jesus. That's awesome. But do you call him mighty God? When, when, a, when a friend or family member tells you that they're going through a situation, and you say, I'll pr-, do you just say, I'll pray for you? Or do you stop what you're doing there? And I know it, it's uncomfortable and awkward and and what if it doesn't happen? What would it look like if we actually believed that Jesus was the mighty God through us? What would it look like if you actually believed that Jesus was the mighty God in you? He is. And I think that we've got to begin to not just call him the name mighty God, but we've got to begin to act like he is, in fact, the mighty God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.